0: Welcome to the Parenting with Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Alexander-Inman, board-certified behavior analyst and infant-toddler developmental specialist. I would like you to give a great big welcome to Miss Elizabeth Bennett. <laughs> Elizabeth is president and CEO of Elizabeth Bennett Group. She is she helps parents navigate the world of teenager kind of a scary world. (laughs) If parents are dealing with yelling screaming defiance door slamming or her favorite eye rolling. Uh, she can help parents with strategies and skills to go from chaos to conversation. That sounds like a lifeline to me, Miss Elizabeth. Thank you, because there are so many teenage parents. I saw one today and they don't know what else to do. So please
1: help. <laughs> well, it, I'm delighted to be here today, Teresa. So thank you for inviting me.
0: Oh, you are most welcome. Now, tell us what started you in this direction?
1: Well, I've been in education as a teacher, administrator, uh, coach for over 35 years. And initially it started because I was involved with kids at school bullying. Um, and, and, And that's really what the impetus for the book is about, because I noticed that it was ramping up a bit. So... I had done some work with some community agencies and created a program that we could do uh, with our grade seven class, because that's where I had noticed it in grade six, because typically with girls, bullying is in grade four, six and eight, which is interesting. Yeah. And and boys seem to be, uh, you know, they they would rather have a fight, get it over with, punch each other out and then get up and go play football or go play soccer or whatever girls, not so much. So as the years progressed, I wanted to be that person who was going to be the, the uh, silver bullet, right? I was going to have the solution. I was going to be rich and famous and, and have the ultimate solution for bullying. <laughs> and along that journey, what I really recognized is it's about communication. It's about relationship and it's about community. And so that's really what I want to help parents with is being able to have those conversations and doing that. Now, what I didn't tell you was that in my childhood, I was a subject of bullying. There was um, sexual inappropriateness and a bunch of other things that were around my family and from the neighborhood too. So I knew for myself and I didn't recognize it right away but I knew for myself that I needed to have a voice and so what I do now in having those conversations with parents is I get them to recognize that their children need to be valued and they need to have a voice.
0: Wow, yes cuz and then you see <laughs> the communication, relationship and community. Yeah. It, can you break those down first because those you know, like you said, those are the key areas. So if you can give us just some tips as to how to, because chances are we're already in this moment, right? It hasn't started yet. So for those for those who are in the moment, let's talk about what they can do in these three areas. And then maybe when we're done, we can talk about how to develop those children so that we don't have that issue.
1: Excuse me just for a second. Yes, well, when we look at at building relationships, that's really tied into the conversation because and and this is not remotely about judgment of parents because people are where they are they've they've lived their lives, they you know, they are doing the best that they can with what they know. Here are a couple of things that I chat about with parents, and that is, you have this back, you have, you have your, your history, it's back there. And it's, it's how you've been raised, it's, you know, all of the difficulties, all of however life has been an experience for you. But what ends up happening is we have these filters that we speak through, that we see through, and that we listen through that are part of that history, whether we like it or not, that's how we show up. So as an example, you know, if a parent is one who yells, then their kids are going to respond or react or whatever based on that particular interaction. And what I wanna be able to do is help parents really move those filters out of the way and come into that new conversation with vulnerability first to be able to say you know what i don't know everything and i don't need to i don't need to know everything but let's have a conversation to figure out where we can go or how i can help support you or that we can make this relationship and this conversation different than it is right now because you know what for me it's hurtful i i feel sad because i can't connect with you i sometimes don't know what to say you know, I want to know and not because I need to be controlling, but I just want to know what's going on with you. And so those are some of the elements of the relationship and the conversation and part of the community, being able to invite them into the family so that they have an opportunity to be able to contribute. Wow, that is so <laughs> <powerful>. <laughs>
0: and so key because i feel that a lot of our teenagers are not being heard like is that okay. yeah okay you agree with that oh that's that
1: like, is that's huge they're not they're not heard and they're not valued and i mean that from the standpoint of they're not valued for what they can contribute to conversation you see i came from a time when the pendulum had swung way over here where children should be seen and not heard. Don't cry or I'll give you something to cry about. Money doesn't grow on trees. Uh, you know, don't look at me that way or else, uh, <laughs> you know, or, you know, go to your room or I'll spank you or something, right? That that was way, way over here. Yeah. Now the pendulum has swung way in the other direction where there aren't, there the boundaries are unclear. Mm-hmm. Or they're really gray, or they're the children are are their parents' best friend when they're ten or twelve or so on. And that's not healthy either, because the the expectation, and maybe it's the world's expectation, maybe it's just my own from my own from my own vision of what I've seen and my own experiences in the education field, is that they're we, we need to have some boundaries so that kids feel safe and they feel secure and they feel that if something happens, they have a safe place to go to, to be able to talk about it, to be able to have discussion and so on. But so often it's just, and you know, it's not a bad thing. Like I, I recall my mother saying to me, you know, oh, don't worry about it, honey, just go to school. Well, she had no idea that I had been, um, that someone had offered to to sell me drugs or that I didn't go to the bathroom during the day because there were mean girls in the bathroom and you just didn't go there or that, you know, I was being bullied in class or so on because I didn't feel safe enough to be able to share those stories with her. And how and how could she have changed that? How could she have made that that created that safety net for you. Um, I mean, we we had a good enough relationship. I was not so concerned about how she was going to respond because I knew that there were there in her in her selfless space as a mother she was we were able to you know sit and have tea or you know share girl talks or so on because she always wanted to know what was going on i think the fear for me about sharing with her is that i didn't want my father's reaction because it wasn't going to be a good one and yeah. it do, it wouldn't matter what the scenario was he was going to explode in some fashion or other and so i didn't want to have her feel that that was a pressure for her so i didn't share gotcha and i and i see that over and over again with kids who who have in the past come to see me to say you know all we do is yell and scream and i don't know you know my parents don't listen to me and they don't value me and they don't they don't want to hear anything i have to say and then i would have parents coming in who were sad or or crying or frustrated or angry or so on saying i don't know how to connect with my teen all we do is yell and scream and and I I I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they're up to and I I'm sad by that. And so you know, here we have these two factions over here, mm-hmm. and I want to be able to provide some sort of bridge for them to be able to get connected with each other. Gotcha.
0: And then you bridge that gap with conversation.
1: Yes, yes. and being able to help parents choose their, connection with their children a little bit differently. So as an example, you know, like a, a parent might say something like this. Hi, honey, how was your day? You know, you, you've you just come home from school and I just want to know, you know, how was your day? Fine. Well, what did you do today? Right? Another because they're trying to get engaged. Mm-hmm. Right. So what did you do today? Nothing. And this escalation is quickly, I mean, their attitude and their, their, their feelings inside are quickly escalating, right? Meanwhile, their child's attitude and behavior is going into that complacency or that apathy space, right? Well, what do you mean you didn't do anything today, right? So here we have this up here and up goes the hoodie, in go the earbuds, out comes the cell phone and off they go. Now the teen is saddened and disappointed and heartbroken because their parent didn't ask them anything really truly about them right? and about really what's going on for me why is it that you can't ask me that kind of question and meanwhile the parent is in the kitchen or in the, the living room or wherever and they're escalated and heartbroken at the same time because they they it was a a question that seemed to be a simple easy kind of question except it wasn't and and they just wanted to know right but they're heartbroken too because they don't know how to say anything else or how to connect in any other kind of way and so that's where the disconnect comes so then you know kids are on their cell phone or they're on video games or on you know movies or whatever else looking for the connection looking for the appreciation looking for acknowledgement. And, and that's the piece that spirals into social isolation. Right.
0: Because they come home and then they're interrogated instead of really trying to connect with them and find out, how are you feeling today? How did it go for you today? Like, would they, would like, what kind of conversation starters would you? you
1: Well, some of those things that you're just saying might be just a shift in it. So you know, you mentioned to me the other day that you had a, a test coming up. How did that go? You know, did you feel that you you did a good job? Because that that's the filter of, of what they imagine is interrogation. And so being able to being able to break or open that to a space where the parent says, "You know what? I've noticed that." and probably similar to things that you might say in your workspace. I've noticed that you're looking a little bit sad or you're looking, you know, you're looking frustrated or so on. Oh, they'll be clear. They will be very clear about telling you if you've made a mistake in that regard, right? <laughs> um so then you say, oh, "Okay, well I just I just noticed that, you know, things seem to be a bit different for you or I haven't seen your friends around." Or so, you know, like when you when you were in school today. Did you notice anybody that, you know, made you laugh, or you know that who do you spend lunch with? Like a, you know, are are things okay with? Trying to keep them away from closed-ended questions where you're only going to get a yes or a no, but more engaging in. So tell me a bit more about that, right? So that it's not intrusive, but it's being curiously engaged because I talk about that in the book. It really is about, you know, and that old analogy about peeling the onion apart is trying to get in underneath to find out really what's going on. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And I dare say the
0: key to that also is coming in real calm, right? Like not. Oh, (laughs)
1: yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and being calm and and vulnerable and at the same time, just being honest and saying, look at, you know, I, we haven't talked in a long time. Mm-hmm. I just want to know what's going on. I want, you know, I, are you, are you noticing anything at school, even with your own friends? Or, you know, you might say, I've just listened to a podcast, or I saw this article, or I read this article, or I heard something on the news. What do you think about it? Ah. Uh. Nice. I love that
0: because then it's not about, you know, the, the, it's more about creating that connection instead of the interrogation about me, 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 like what's going on. Cause maybe I'm
1: not, I'm not ready to talk about what's going on with me right now. Well, and there might be something, I mean, we all know that, you know, we, we process things Mm-hmm. And some of them are, some people are quick to respond and others take a lot longer. And particularly when kids have been at school and it's similar to adults, if you've been at work all day and you've been in that hustle and bustle and whatever that looks like for you in either of those two places, then sometimes you just need that pause.
0: Yes. You
1: just need not to be engaged with anything yep. just yep. for a period of time and actually taking a breath. You know, really just doing that before you engage in that conversation or, you know, acknowledging that, hey, I'll give you a couple of minutes, but you want to come meet me in the kitchen and we'll have a a coffee together, depending on their age or, Mm -hmm. you know, or juice or, you know, let's sit and have, I just made cookies or I just bought a pastry, you know, I thought you might like one, right? Something that that gets them to sit for a little period of time and be talking about something else. I am processing that
0: because (laughs) (laughs) for me, there are times when somebody would say something or ask me a question and I'm like, because I cannot think of an answer at that moment. And I'm just like, oh, so I'm thinking now of this child who's, um, executive functioning is not even fully developed, but then we expect yep. an answer. And we expect them to, you know, just throw it at us. And we can't even do that ourselves.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and that's part of what I explained to parents too, in terms of uh, like, I, I was just at a, um a live event a couple of weeks ago where I actually got to, you know, be in the same room as real life people. <laughs> um, and I was sharing you know, the the, um, the three major components of the brain. So, you know, when we're in the fight, flight and, and freeze spot, you know, that's in the back of our brain. And it's kind of, you know, that old reptilian brain or whatever you want to call it. And then we have a place for feelings. And then, you know, for for many years, I just assumed that the frontal lobe and the, that, you know, thought process and your emotions and everything that was going on, developed at the same time as your body because it just makes sense right you Mm -hmm. you get bigger stronger you know your age grows and so on but that's not the case with with brain function and those executive functions and you know real life thoughts so when you when you say to a, a kid at school and I've certainly said it many times what were you thinking well most of the time they're not because that's not entirely the the decision making or the responsibility for the action might not be developed as much as we imagine it should be. And so when we say that to someone, they really honestly don't know sometimes why they did something. Yes, never mind a six-year-old, you know. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, because we say it, right? What were you thinking yeah. when you did yeah. that? Well, hello. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And when they say I don't know, they're being
1: honest. <laughs> they sure are. Yeah, and we need to be the ones to understand that and say, "Well, you know, perhaps that wasn't the best choice." Right. And you know, not to hold not to you know diminish their capacity at that point because we've seen them do something, but really to take a breath to you know, quiet our own voice mm-hmm. and our own possibility of response and just said, well, you know, maybe that wasn't the best choice for today. Right. Yeah. How about if we clean up or how about if we do whatever it is that we need to do to make amends or to, mm-hmm. you know, to fix the situation as best as we can based on our age and, you know, guiding them into making a different decision or a different, because it's not like they're not going to do it again. Right. We make mistakes and we continue to do things that aren't the smartest either. That's right. And we've been around
0: a lot longer than they have. That's right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like,
0: um, I remember working with a family and the parents, they, they, they just were they weren't sure how to respond when their child did something. And I thought, well, think about it. He does not have the skill so if you spank him you're spanking him for not having a skill you know or you're um reprimanding him for a skill it's like teach him the skill find out you know figure out how he learns and teach that skill instead of punishing and like you said diminishing them yeah. for their feelings and everything um discounting them for not having a skill because we do that you know we'll you know spank a six-year-old because, and I mean, I've done it, you know, but we do that. And this, then I had to think back wait, and this was, you know, before I learned, before I knew as much as yeah. I
1: did. <laughs> <laughs> well, before, yeah, because we're all continually learning in that yes. space, right?
0: Yes, absolutely. So, Miss Elizabeth, I want you to speak to, because you've spoken to the parents who, you know, like, they've got the rules and, you know, like putting the boundaries. Now, how about the mom who's, you know, eight, nine, 10 year old is their bestie. And cause you mentioned them not feeling safe and I, how could they not feel safe when they've got this mom, but they, you know, they hang out with and have fun with, and they're friends with, and everything's wonderful.
1: Well, that's a whole other different space. Part of that, really is that that it's going to be up to the parent to make that separation because you can't rely on the 10 year old or the 12 year old to be able to do that right mm-hmm. there needs to be that boundary as well for that parent to say you know what i think it's i think it's a good idea that you get engaged with you know your girlfriends or kids at school or you know participate in an activity that makes that separation, because it's not healthy for either one of them. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you know, there needs to be a space where that parent engages in activities with people their age as well. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, and those those boundaries, they need to be clearer mm-hmm. so that. When that child begins to develop on their own, then they have the skills and attitude and smarts to be able to have healthy relationships. Because right at the moment with that parent engaging as a bestie with their 10-year-old, that's not developing positive and strong relationships and modeling good behavior for their kids.
0: Right. But you would think that would, though, because we're friends, we're having fun.
1: Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> at, at, at what cost in the future, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. Yes. Yeah. No, it's really important. And, you know, I, you know, thank you for bringing that up because I've stressed to so many parents, children need boundaries. And if without boundaries, like you said, they don't feel safe because, too, if I can come to you and, you know, you're upset at me. But then if I just whine a little bit and you change your mind, then that yep. doesn't feel safe.
1: Yeah. Well, and the other piece for that too, I think is, you know, what is, what's, what are you teaching that child? What's the, what's the focus and what's the, what are the, the, um the strengths and the positive spaces and the the modeling what needs to happen to have a good relationship with someone. Because if that's the case and they continue to feel um, mollycoddled or protected or so on, there isn't any strength in that. There isn't a space of resilience. There isn't a space of standing up and feeling confident and, you know, alive and powerful in your own space. And so if you're not teaching that, they're not going to know it, and they're not going to be able to develop those skills that they're going to need, because you won't always have your mother around to protect you. you. Now, the, the piece about the parent space is that then that parent becomes much more, and you might have heard this as, um, um, hang on just a second. Uh, Sorry, you might have heard this uh, either snowplow parents or helicopter parents Mm -hmm. or whatever, whatever moment in time parents where they come swooping in and, you know, uh, they'll go to the school or they'll they'll be in a community setting or they'll be someplace or, you know, the next best place is on Facebook where they start complaining about something. And and that that modeling isn't good either for that child in that particular case, because there's no separation. There's no um, opportunity for that child to live and grow in their age group too.
0: Wow. Yes. And, you know, you just reminded me of a family that I worked with. The mom shared with me that growing up, her mom was more like a best friend. She could, you know, it's she could she did anything she wanted and her there were no boundaries and growing up she actually did not respect her mother the uh-huh. father on the other hand has boundaries and she trusted him respected him and he was her go-to person but she and her mom they had a really difficult relationship because she needed a mother and not a friend and those are exactly you know, those are yep. yeah
1: yeah yeah um, Well, because then, you know, um, what happens then if the mother needs to be in a space of um, control or setting a rule or doing something, then that boundary is so gray. In fact, it's not even there that the child then doesn't know how to respond and then feels completely abandoned because now this parent has to be standing up saying something and i i you know i can't think of an example right at the moment but just that that separation now becomes a hurtful space as opposed to one that's compassionate and understanding and so on right. and you know we need to look at where that parent's coming from too mm-hmm. what's going on for that parent that's come up in their background that they needed to have to feel you know that um almost it almost feels smothering mm-hmm. and where did you know or or it was a, an attachment concern that 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 child that the child part of that parent might not have had um you know a secure relationship in their past.
0: Wow. Yeah. So like you said, that history just keeps coming back and just yep. hitting us, isn't, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> wow. So we have to take care of ourselves. That's so right. Better.
1: Yep. Yep. Well, and, and part of that is being okay with it. Part of it is, is really, you can look at the past and you can say, okay, am I going to live in that story? Or am I going to create a new one for my family and for myself? Because we can often get caught up in our history and our past and and we start showing up in that way that we didn't want to, right? I'm not, I'm never going to act like my parent or like my mother or father or so on, right? And I've even heard myself say things. It's like, oh my God, boy, do I ever sound like my mother, right? <laughs> I've been there. I said the same thing and I became her. (laughs) Yes. And, and so to acknowledge it and to say, okay, you know, we'll take the, we'll take the best parts of what we grew up with and develop those in our parenting or in just, just in our life, just as our own individual person, whether you're a parent or not, and just and be okay with that as you move forward. But know full well that because it's in the past doesn't necessarily mean it's always gonna stay there. So
0: true. And with that, Miss Elizabeth, I want to be mindful of your time. So I want to ask, if there's one thing you want parents to leave this moment with, what would that be?
1: Oh, I have three actually. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> three tips. Three tips for parents. The first one is that intentional listening. So it's about understanding versus judgment. So take the time to really get, really be um, engaged, curiously engaged about what's going on for your child and understand where they're coming from, understand their perspective without judgment. Try your best to move the judgment piece out of the way and not have a solution for them, but simply be in the listening. The second piece is about intentional time. And it's really important to be able to put down the cell phone, you know, turn off the TV, uh, whatever video games or whatever that is, and spend some intentional time one-on-one with your child. It doesn't need to be hours at a time, unless that's something that you choose, but just even, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour. And if you have a bunch of children, it's going to be important for you to spend that quality time with each one because they are individuals. And it's important to whether it's playing a game or going for a drive or, you know, going out for a, uh, a soda or walking in the park or, you know, playing in the snow because I happen to have snow here, uh, <laughs> you know, so from that perspective. So that's that's point number two. So the first one is understanding versus judgment. The second one is dedicated and intentional time. And the third one is get outside and have some fun because we're so busy all the time. We don't take that time. And so be outlandish, go someplace, go make snow angels or go make sand angels. If you live in a place like Florida, right? Go, you know, just do stuff that's fun and silly, you know, go run in a puddle in the rain with your kid. Skip down the street with them. Do because you know what? You don't have them for very long. That's true. So, so
0: true. Wow. And it doesn't
1: matter whether they're two or whether they're 18 or whether they're 30 or 50. It doesn't matter. Just have some fun.
0: Yes, yes. And honestly, there's so much. You can't put a price on that. Yeah. I remember my kids and I would have water fights and yeah. people would think I was their sister because I was out having water fights with them. I'm like, that's okay. you know. <laughs> but we did, we had a great old time. And, you know, that's like, those are some of my fondest memories, you know, having them run in places where they should not have been running,
1: but, you know, I just tell them, just don't call me mom. And um, <laughs> <laughs> But doing it together, because what yeah. that also does is it models that that's okay. Yes, yes, great. Because we we often get caught up in that place of what everybody else thinks, and it's mm-hmm. not about everybody else. This is your family. Enjoy them. That's right, and
0: that relationship is more important than any other. So, you know, well, we-, we
1: know that busy, busy, busy is mm-hmm. always going to be there. Yep. Our kids not be. Yeah, so true. And you know, who was it? It's actually
0: I interviewed somebody and they said, No, I was at a training, and this gentleman was talking about his wife. He's a widow now, and he mentioned the fact that on her deathbed, she, you know, she was her thing was I worked too much. I didn't spend enough time with family. And you know, we can't get that time back. So it's really important to spend that time with family and make those memories yeah awesome so thank you so much miss elizabeth bennett for coming in and helping this parent with confidence
1: well thank you teresa for having me it was delightful having conversation with you and i look forward to doing it again let's thank you (laughs) oh hey when can people get your book i'm sorry Uh, They can find it on the on Amazon. Uh, Actually, you can go to through my website, which is uh, courageousnetwork.com. They can sign up for it through there or go on Amazon or any of the Barnes and Noble, whatever. And it's all on the bottom of my website. So you can actually click on any of your favorite things, whether it's a, you know, an ebook or a real live, you know, like one of these that people still have. (laughs) (laughs) right
0: and the book again is called
1: courageous conversations a guide for parents to understand and connect with their teens and it really can be for any you know if you have young children right up through you know workplaces maybe having conversation at your workplace might be a good thing to change and transform
0: relationships
1: And let me just add,
0: parents, the younger you start, the better, because then they mm-hmm. these problems later in life. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thank you so much, ma'am. Thank you. You're welcome.